When looking for a paranormal podcast, remember, location, location, location. Are you looking for a show placed right on top of an ancient Indian burial ground? A cliffside manor that once housed a deranged genius? Or an out-of-the-way cabin in the woods where no one could hear you scream? Located just five minutes from that spooky old abandoned asylum where that axe murderer escaped from, we have everything you need to turn your dream home into your final resting place. Welcome to Harley Paranormal. I'm your travel agent to the underworld, Lacey. And I'm Jerry. He's just here. (laughs) I don't know what this episode is about. Today, we're going to be learning about haunted locations and ghostly locations. So do you mean haunted like a haunted house or like, is it like the items thing where it's like (laughs) the house itself is possessed by a spirit, but it doesn't haunt people? Locations. So houses. Oh, um, so like a forest or a park. Perhaps. Okay. Plot of land. Plot of land. I get what you mean now. (laughs) Today, we're going to be covering some haunted locations. We're going to learn about their history, maybe some sightings. and Sightings, like, of the locations? Yeah, we're just going to be looking at pictures and we're going to... One time, I saw the Washington Monument (laughs) in sixth grade. Was it haunted? No, that wasn't the question. I just saw it. You were saying sightings. (laughs) I'm just asking... We were literally sightseeing. (laughs) I was just asking follow-up questions. Okay. I'm invested in this story of sixth grade... (sighs) Washington, D.C. You're trying to be like an interviewer? Yeah. Yeah. We sighted it. (laughs) We were sightseeing and we sighted it while on a trip to Washington, D.C. We didn't even get to go. We literally just drove by in the bus. What a nothing story. And they go, there it is. And it was like two blocks away. So it could have been haunted. I've seen it in greater detail in the Spider-Man movie (laughs) than I've ever done in a book or in real life. Okay, we're going to be going a little more in depth here. We can't see it. Um with our eyes right now but we could hear about it yeah on a podcast visual stuff is not really very helpful says the guy who mimes everything with his hands during the podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's more for me though you didn't mouth that uh i'm lacy this time so we're doing really good that's because i wasn't paying attention (laughs) (laughs) wow so right now i'm gonna take you to colorado to the stanley hotel Oh, nice. Okay. Do you know anything about the Stanley Hotel? I know that it was the inspiration for the hotel from The Shining. It sure was. So That's all I know about <laughs> it. <laughs> On October 30th, 1974, Stephen King and his wife Tabitha checked into room 217 of the hotel. It was late in the season, so they were the only guests there for the night. That night... Stephen had a nightmare that he saw his young son being chased down the hotel's long, empty corridors by a predatory, possessed fire hose. <laughs> what? Yes. What is Okay, I'm confused by his description of possessed and predatory. <laughs> like, was it hunting his son like a serpent? Or was it... And does he mean possessed like, normally they're not very predatory at all. <laughs> they're actually fairly ambivalent to people's presence. What does he mean? I don't understand. I want to know if it has, like, teeth. Like, what exactly was it aiming to do to his son? <laughs> yeah. I Was it spraying water? Like, no, he just said it's the hose is going after his kid. I wouldn't say I'm a pretty big fan of Stephen King. I've read a lot of his books, and I do like Stephen King, but I also don't like Stephen King. <laughs> but I know quite a lot about him, because yeah. um, I, uh, I read his memoir and stuff. He never once mentioned... I don't like him or know a lot about him, but I met it. I read his memoir. I didn't say I didn't know a lot about him. I said I do know a lot about oh. him. Oh. Smart ass. <laughs> but he never mentions anything about a predatory hose attacking him. And he's like, so I wrote a book about it. Like, <laughs> I've never heard this story You know before. what? There's not one hose in any of the movies. Or the book. 
Yeah. I mean, there's like like a furry like being a J, but like in the movie. Oh but, my <laughs> goodness, that was the worst <laughs> sentence ever. It wasn't a furry. It was just a person in a weird mask. In a fursuit. I don't think it was a full-on fursuit. Yeah, his whole body was in a fursuit. You sure it wasn't just a dog? <laughs> Is that better? It's not better, but I just <laughs> want to be clear about what you saw. <laughs> what I saw. It was in a movie. Go watch it. You watched it and you saw it. Mate, you are real uppity about details. <laughs> <laughs> so he woke up drenched in sweat and stepped onto the balcony to smoke a cigarette. Oh, no. We're not just going to move past the guy in a fursuit beat a J. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> You don't talk like that, man. Okay, here's the thing. That's what happened in the movie. Yeah. And we're just gonna idly stand by. Maybe that was the predatory hose he was talking about. (laughs) Predatory hose. (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) I've never heard this story before. Like, I've never heard this story about Stephen King at all. Yeah. And I'm amazed that... If you can get over a furry giving a budget we could finish this story and i could tell you more <laughs> i'm talking about i'm still stuck on the predatory host bit that's so crazy because i've never heard that before and you would think something that that's so profoundly uh strange and and paranormal would definitely yeah. make its way into a stephen king book but i don't remember any book that had <laughs> maybe because uh, it's not host. scary at all it's goofy. I don't know. I think if a hose just suddenly start chasing you down a hallway, <laughs> you would totally flip out. I don't I, I would think just think anything, it's like water pressure and it's like wiggling. You know what I mean? Do you think that's what it was? Is that <laughs> an emergency fire hose in a very fancy hotel was suddenly filled with water but not discharging and was flopping around. And Stephen <laughs> King, who's not like an idiot, was like, oh my god, it's possessed and it's preying it upon my dream. son. I thought this was the thing he really saw. I'm sorry, what? I thought that this was a thing he actually you saw. You thought that there was a predatory possessed fire hose in the hotel? <laughs> I thought the way you told it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to stop this podcast. Um, I totally missed the part where you said it was a dream. I thought he just kind of casually let it slip like, oh, yeah, a hose attacked my son. I said that night he had a nightmare. Yeah, I just didn't connect that it was about the hose. I thought he had a nightmare because the hose attacked his son. He had a dream about it later. That's not crazy. People. That is. <laughs> Let's just move on. Anyway, he woke up drenched in sweat because he was dreaming and stepped out to the balcony to smoke a cigarette. By the time he stepped it out, he'd worked out all the bones of what would become his third novel and his first bestseller, The Shining. The Stanley Hotel shows the uncut R-rated version of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining on a continuous loop on Channel 42 in all the guest televisions. <laughs> That's awesome. So you could watch it 24-7 as long as you're in the hotel. As long as you're staying in the hotel. I mean, you could do that if you own a DVD too, but I, mean, I see yeah. what you mean. But do you think anyone just goes there and just watches that? Like they go... So obviously it's famous because of Stephen King's story. Mm-hmm. But is it like, did it have any actual paranormal activity other than he had a dream about a hose? <laughs> well, it's kind of spooky on its own merits. Because it's a hotel. Are hotels spooky? I think hotels are a little bit spooky. Because it's sort of this transitional location. Kind of like elevators or stairwells. It's this place that you're not meant to stay in. You're meant to like move through. 
And hotels are like, like especially like the hallway of a hotel. Mm-hmm. No one hangs out in the hallway of a hotel. Like you go to your room and from your room, basically. So to hang out in the hallway just feels, it's one of these weird places that just feels odd. I get that same feeling about stairwells. If you just hang out in a stairwell, it feels very strange. Yeah. Do you think they have any furry conventions at the Stanley Hotel? <laughs> With a big sign that comes out, it's like, welcome furry con, please no being jade. <laughs> <laughs> at least close the door. Honestly, that's the weirdest part of that movie. No one explains why. I wait. Which one? Are you talking about the Stanley Kubrick one? Yeah. I don't. How think, do you not know this scene? Because I don't remember any of that kind of. I remember there was like a person on a bed. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they had pants on. No, he's getting bejayed by a furry. I think you had a dream <laughs> about some really racy stuff. <laughs> this is not the time for you to start revealing these weird <laughs> things about you. I was just like, everyone know my own personal history. <laughs> Would you like to hear the history of the Stanley Hotel? Yes. Is it going to be like, oh man, so there was a guy at the hotel who hung himself with a hose. <laughs> a possessed predatory, predatory hose. hose. Freeland Oscar Stanley was a person of many talents, trades, and interests. Freeland and his identical twin brother, Francis Edgar, were young inventors creating all sorts of things from violins to maple syrup. That's a that's a really crazy range. <laughs> like, eh, we made some violins, kind of bored with that. You're like, we're going to have some pancakes, but like, I have an idea <laughs> for those pancakes. They're made from violins. <laughs> <laughs> it's really woody. This penchant for experimentation led them to design the Stanley Steamer automobile. Unfortunately, a life-threatening case of tuberculosis sent Freeland Stanley and his wife Flora to the curative Rocky Mountains in Colorado. As a result, the couple found their way to Estes Park, I'm sorry about that pronunciation, and began their new lives. Wait, the ca- they made a car called the Stanley Steamer? Yeah. Isn't that like the carpet cleaning company? I thought so. It is. I'm certain that the Stanley Steamer, that's a carpet cleaner. Did they just like like, sex thing? Did they just? What is with you and sex today? Jeez. Do you think they just did away with like the engine, and they were just like, yeah, we just we'll just make we'll use all these wheels and we'll use this for something. We're not making cars anymore. They were inventors, so they just like, oh well, we'll just make new stuff. Yeah, I guess. I swear to God, that's a carpet cleaning company. Yeah, because I I can think of the jingle. Yeah. In 1909, Stanley built the infamous Stanley Hotel, which I mean, narcissist. Well, what else are you gonna call it? I don't know. Anything? You can name it anything. No, no. You have to name it after... I think it's it's probably... If you're going to start off as an inventor like that and work your way up from like, well, we did violins and maple syrup and some automobiles that clean carpets. I guess we're going to move on to hotels. <laughs> I'm just going to stick with the Stanley Hotel. I am Stanley. <laughs> this is the Stanley Hotel. Maybe I'm just jealous because I'm sure Stanley has like keychains and necklaces in malls oh, where so you can never find Lacey. What you're, yeah, okay, I was going to say, what you're referring to, because the listeners don't know your backstory, <laughs> is that the particular spelling of your name is very difficult to find on those tchotchke yeah. license plate keychains you find at gift shops. And we have to hear about it. Every trip to anywhere fun <laughs> ends poor. It, it could be so much fun. We're all having a great time. We get to the gift shop, and the mood is going to sink into the floor. <laughs> Because we're going to hear this relentless bitching <laughs> about keychains that you don't even want. <laughs> well, maybe I would if they had my name. That's an indefensible <laughs> position to take. Okay. In 1909, Stanley built the infamous Stanley Hotel, beginning a century of mysteries and eerie happenings. Just two years after the hotel opened, 
Miss Elizabeth Wilson was tending to the rooms when a thunderstorm rolled through the mountains of Estes Park, wiping out all the power in the Stanley Hotel. Going from room to room, the housekeepers carried lit candles to ignite the gas lamps. Wilson approached a room that unknowingly would become the focal point of the mysterious activity for more than a century to come, room 217. As she made her way in, the odorless gas connected with the flame of the candle, immediately igniting into a fiery eruption and blasting Elizabeth through the floor into the McGregor dining room. Despite the intense explosion, Elizabeth survived, only suffering two broken ankles. <laughs> well, yeah, she went through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. So what, what year was this supposed to have happened? About 1911. Okay, so they were likely using uh, acetylene gas lamps, which we don't... I don't think we use those anymore. I don't even know what that is. It's like, I know they use it for um, when you do certain kinds of welding. Mm-hmm. You can get acetylene torches that it's like a gas tank. It, I mean, it burns very hot, very bright. Yeah. So that makes sense. But I don't think we use those anymore to light things, which you could see why. Yeah, it's a little dicey. <laughs> yeah, she got blown through the floor. Like, that's I've never heard of someone <laughs> being blown through the floor before. But she survived, so maybe there's nice ghosts. Do you think ghosts had anything to do with it? I mean, it could be the odorless gas that exploded the room, but... Well, no, we, we have a name for that. We call it acetylene gas. It's an odorless <laughs> gas that burns. You might remember there were lamps involved, actually, that they lit with candles. I don't think a ghost... Do you think that's what ghosts are? Like, odorless gas? That no, just... I'm just saying, like, maybe they interfered in some way. They did. They interfered and made an explosion happen? Or they interfered to say... Why didn't they interfere to make the explosion not happen? Well, I mean, they're, they're not superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You're like, well, the ghost could have caused the explosion. No, I think they could have saved her. But they didn't. She broke her fucking ankles. Yeah, but she didn't die from being punched through a friggin' wall. I like how they could save her from being splattered into the floor below, but not not have an explosion happen. <laughs> because you're like, well, they're not superheroes. <laughs> it's like, I think putting out a fire that's like a can- like putting out a candle might be easier than saving someone who's falling through a floor at rocket speed. I've never done either of those things. I'm just guessing. Yeah, you haven't done either of those. You don't know anything. You couldn't even pronounce acetylene. (laughs) I don't have to take this from you. Listen, that's just part of my charm. Okay, then. (laughs) Okay. Reportedly, the injured employees and guests were sent to a hospital in Longmont, although not much documentation of the patients exist. Even though Elizabeth walked away from her injuries in 1911, her ghost is said to still reside no, in the hotel. No, she didn't. She broke her ankles. <laughs> she she didn't walk away from nothing. Crutches? Not what? both of her ankles, yeah. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, probably a wheelchair or strapped to the back of a tall man. <laughs> All I hope is that one. Like it, like a papoose on the front of a giant oh, man. Like in The Hangover? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Just her with her shattered little feet dangling from her ankles. <laughs> Her ghost is said to still reside in the hotel, which, I have questions. She didn't die in the hotel. Where did she die of, and when did she die, and why is she at the hotel? I kind of get that impression about a lot of things where there's a ghost that did not die at the location. You hear that with people talking about graveyards. Yeah. They say, well, the graveyard's haunted. I'm like, yeah, but nobody dies at the graveyard. They die somewhere else. Yeah, why would they be stuck? Is their soul trapped, and then they, like, get released? Or maybe they have an attachment to their body. I mean, if that's the case, there wouldn't be haunted houses. Like, all the ghosts would, like, mingle at the cemetery. Yeah. Like in The Frighteners. Yeah. And we wouldn't have to... Oh, that's a great movie. (laughs) And we wouldn't have to worry about it. 
So I don't understand why she visited a hotel once, had an awful experience, zero stars on Yelp, <laughs> and then was like, I guess I'll just haunt that. I mean, it wasn't all bad. Like, <laughs> the continental breakfast was out of this world. Like, I mean, if breakfasts are good, I might haunt the place. Yeah. I, oh, no, definitely. Because we've done quite a lot of traveling mm-hmm. and we've stayed at a lot of hotels all over the country. And the difference that a shitty breakfast makes on your stay is phenomenal. Yeah. You can have a great room, wonderful room, nice and clean, real comfy bed. Like, you know, everything could be really, really nice. But if the breakfast is like, meh, <laughs> the place was a shithole. <laughs> yeah, like one time we had breakfast where they had like strictly country gravy. Oh, yeah. And I would for sure haunt that place for the rest of my life if I could eat it. I think it's only because uh, I think that was your first time having country gravy. I think so. I don't think uh, biscuits and gravy. You've never had that before. Yeah. Just to let you know, while that was very delicious country gravy, it's by no means the best that exists. So there's better places. Well, it's my greatest memory of country gravy. And when I die, I'm going to haunt that comfort inn in what, Illinois? (laughs) I think it was in Illinois. You'll have to find it. No, Terre Haute, Indiana. (laughs) That's right. It's in Terre Haute, Indiana. Holy crap. That's great. So I'm going to, when I die and become a ghost, I'm going to go there and either eat the breakfast like Slimer. That's my goal. I wonder how you get there. Is it like you die (laughs) and you would just like materialize? Yeah. Do you just like show up there or do like, like when you go to pay the river man, like to take you, (laughs) can you be like, hey, actually, can we, there's a holiday inn (laughs) at Terra Alta, Indiana. Could you stop there before you got all the way to the other side of the river sticks, please? Like I have some extra coins if, uh, if that's what you're interested in and you can share the breakfast with me. I think that would work. I don't think he can be bribed. I think that's actually like a big component of that character. Then why do we pay him? That's not bribery. That's payment. Do you not know the difference? <laughs> this is why I never became okay, a Okay, so like if you go to get on a city bus and uh-huh. you give him the fare, that's payment. <laughs> if you give him a burrito, that's bribery. Do you understand? No. It's not bribery. It's a present. That is exactly how they disguise bribery <laughs> as get... you so corrupt. Oh my God. I don't even know you. <laughs> Anyway, they think um, Elizabeth haunts room 217 the most. Because that was the room she was staying in. Yeah. It has been rumored that in that room, clothes are mysteriously folded or put away, which I would absolutely love to live there. I don't put my own clothes away. (laughs) Are we serious? This is what inspired The Shining? And they're like, no, it's mega haunted. Like, your laundry gets done when you forget about it. (laughs) That's like going to your mom's house. Like, yeah. (laughs) Every time I go to my mom's house, she does my laundry, puts out breakfast for me. <laughs> also, what a garbage afterlife that must be. Like, she went off and had a life after this terrible accident, I assume. Yeah. And then she, you know, she got, you know, she she lived a life. Then she dies, and her afterlife is like, remember that hotel you stayed in, like, 30 years ago? Yeah, you have to stay there and uh, do people's laundry when they show up. Like, <laughs> is this some, some kind of horrible purgatory for her? This afterlife sounds like garbage. Well, it gets a little sexier. It, oh, if there's more furries. <laughs> I'm sending my mic back to Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, we love all kinds of people here, even furries. We do, but I was so unprepared (laughs) for a haunted hotel to start talking about furries. Like, (laughs) I'm so blindsided by it right now. Elizabeth was old-fashioned and proper, so when an unmarried couple comes to visit her, she will climb in bed between them throughout the night. Elizabeth Wilson's life was just as mysterious as her afterlife. Oh, is this part about her life? Is this connected to the part where she gets in bed with people? No. So is she like, is she trying to stop them from having sex? Or is she just like, well, they're not committed to each other. So anything goes in this bed. <laughs> and like, do they feel 
like they can't roll over like is it like a like a like a solid kind of ghost you like you I mean? roll over to kind of like get a little hinky time going on <laughs> and you're like oh it feels all ghosty between us <laughs> these comforters are weird yeah like why does she do that that doesn't make any sense do you think because she was so like old-fashioned and proper she like now in her ghost age is gonna like get it <laughs> 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 like she's reached like mega prime. Yeah, like her sexual prime is outrageously high now. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Do ghosts have libidos? I don't know. I don't know why I'm asking you. Like you might know. <laughs> Just the amount of information that's been revealed by you tonight. Like I feel <laughs> like you would probably know. This is one that I do not know. That's crazy to me. Strictly furry bajays tonight. <laughs> I don't know why she would even give a shit. Honestly. Like, she died, then had to go back to this hotel Mm -hmm. where she had a horrible accident earlier in her life. And, like, she's like, oh, I better stop these unmarried kids from getting all hanky-panky. I'd be like, you know what? I have horrible memories of this place. This is where one of the lamps blew up and shattered my ankles. You guys can do all the weird kinky shit you want to do. I don't care. (laughs) I guess she's just not that kind of lady. She sounds like a busybody. (laughs) Like, she's, like, folding everyone's laundry and getting in between them in bed, like... I, I take back my original assessment. She seems like a pain in the ass ghost. I don't know. Like, being in your 30s, you don't want to do shit with laundry. I love the idea that she's folding stuff. Like, can we have her live in our house? Yeah, but at this point, if you're going out to the Stanley Hotel, which is like, it's in Colorado. It's in a beautiful part of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going there with your with your you know, your lady friend or your guy friend or what have you. And you're trying to like, hey, we're in this romantic hotel. And then you have a ghost that's folding your laundry and then get it. It's like you go on a romantic getaway with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and your mom. (laughs) That's awful. No, thank you. Elizabeth Wilson's life is just as mysterious as her afterlife. Despite the years working at the hotel and the documentation of the explosion and hospital records, not one photo can be found of Miss Elizabeth Wilson. Okay, so she didn't exist. That's it. She did not exist. This whole story is a bunch of bullshit then. Because the hotel's like, well, she didn't die here. She died somewhere else. Because you could look that up. Yeah. You could look up that she died in the hotel. But you can't. So there's no photos of her. No one really knows where she died. Like, I, I, I'm I, going to submit that I don't think she existed at all. <laughs> I think that the room service there is excellent. And they will fold your laundry without you realizing it. And then when you mention it at the front desk, they go, oh, no, that's the ghost. That's our tourist attraction from the afterlife. <laughs> Do you think that maybe they have, like, an air conditioner hooked up by the bed so it shoots directly in, like, the middle of the bed so then it feels like a ghost? Like, there's a vent? Oh, because, okay, I see what you mean. Like, because ghosts are supposed to be cold. Yeah. So maybe that's what they're feeling. Is that what they said? They feel cold between them? No, they said they felt a ghost, but I imagine it kind of feels (laughs) like the same. Well, whenever people feel a ghost, it's always really cold. I know that some hotels, like, when they're supposed to be haunted. That's actually not true. Because if you recall, Cat uh, says that when she sticks her hand through Casper's hand, it feels like the falling asleep pins and needles kind of feeling. She does say it's cold, but she says it's also like a pins and needles feeling. And as you know, we based all of our scientific knowledge of ghosts off of the 1990s uh, movie Casper. If you want to be fair, that's just about as legitimate as any of the quote-unquote <laughs> scientific evidence that has been presented by the paranormal community. I'm just saying, if you guys can use EMF meters and EVP and be like, yep, evidence of ghosts, I'm going to be like, well, I'm going to go get all my information from the documentary Casper. 
I've talked to Devin Sawa and Christina Ricci, and they said that it was legit. I will trust Christina Ricci before I trust anyone who is a paranormal investigator <laughs> who claims to have contacted the dead. Good lord. So the explosion sent the hotel spiraling into an era of spiritual activity. The majority of the haunts are known to occur on the fourth floor. From self-opening doors to the giggling and running of children, this phantasm floor of the hotel exhibits a lot of activity. Phantasm floor of the hotel? Mm -hmm. Where did you get this information from? Um, (laughs) cuindependent.com. It's basically nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because they said the most haunted room is 217, but right now it says the most notable by far is room 428 where a friendly cowboy often sits at the corner of the bed waiting to greet you. Is that just a guy who lives there? Also, why is it a cowboy? Like, do they have cowboys at the hotel? I mean, I guess 1911, that's still, that's sort of like the end of the the Wild West era. So I guess you could have a cowboy, especially in Colorado. I guess that makes sense. But why did he die in the hotel or did he die somewhere else and was just like, crap, I have to haunt? Is that really... (laughs) The paranormal aspect of the hotel is if you stay there, you have to haunt that room you <laughs> stayed in after you died. Yeah, because, like, why are there kids giggling? Like, did a bunch of kids die at the hotel? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, why are there so many ghosts there if, like, nobody died there? Yeah, also, um, friendly is in quotations. <laughs> so, oh, they mean friendly like the drunk guy at the bar who's getting a little friendly with the ladies. Is that what they mean? They don't uh, specifically say that, but um, every cowboy I've met at a bar has been friendly, so... Well, no, not like, oh, you ones you've met. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, Sam Elliott was a cowboy in The Big Lebowski, and I don't think that he would ever do something like that. He would lady. never. He's a gentleman. He'd buy you flowers first. <laughs> so the grand stairway in the lobby has also been a huge site for seeing apparitions of the hotel, a sort of vortex for the spirits to move through the main lobby all through the halls. <laughs> oh, it hurts my insides. So I despise that wor- the word vortex when talking about the paranormal. Mm-hmm. You know this. The listeners don't know this. Uh, I don't like to be so crab apples about the paranormal all the time, but there's a lot of stuff that's thrown around that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And vortex is one of them. They say, well, there's a vortex of spirit. You hear like Amy Allen loves to talk about oh, vortex. Yeah. vortex Doorway. Vortices? <laughs> vortexes? Vortices? More than one vortex. <laughs> Vortai? Vortai. <laughs> she loves to talk about those things. So anytime I hear someone say that there's like a vortex of spiritual whatever, it just immediately like I lose so much uh, interest in their story because I'm like, oh, okay, this is made up, obviously. I always think of the Treehouse of Horror episode where they had the vortex in the kitchen and then they throw like an apple or orange in there and then they get a note back that says like, stop throwing trash into our dimension. (laughs) And I can't unsee that. So vortex, like it's not real to me. It's just the Simpsons. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, to be fair, it's not real to anyone <laughs> under any, you know, circumstances. I'm just really curious as to why this hotel seems to have so much alleged paranormal activity when there's none of the other hallmarks of a haunted location. Mm-hmm. It's not built on top of an ancient Indian burial ground. There's no, There wasn't a massacre or a fire there. Like, there was yeah. no one murdered. There's no suicides. I mean, it's the stuff that we always hear about, you know, with a haunted house or something. There's not, none of that. Yeah. It just, they're just, they have ghosts. They bought some ghosts as an attraction, and now there's a lot of ghosts there. Yeah. So one guest reported taking pictures of this brilliant staircase. One guest reported taking pictures of this brilliant staircase only to find a strange womanly figure standing at the top of the photos. Womanly. What? 
Oh, I thought you meant standing on top of the photos. Like, he got them developed. <laughs> yeah. And he went to show his buddy, and there was, like, a woman standing on his pictures. <laughs> like, was she voluptuous? Like, I want to know what womanly... Like, is she wearing, like, a gown? That's what like, I think he means, is, like, it was a dress. There, Because, I mean, women have different body shapes than mm-hmm. men. I think it was, like, you know, had more of a, a feminine figure. I like to think that there's a very fabulous drag queen who used to work at the hotel. I think that's about as plausible as any of the other ghosts. Because you don't, I mean, they don't even have to have worked at the hotel. They could have just stayed there for a weekend. They could have driven by the hotel. And stubbed a toe. And so they were forced to haunt it forever. Uh, I, I don't really, I mean, when was that photograph taken, did it say? It did not. And I haven't seen this picture before, so mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. like, someone could say they took a picture of a ghost. At least I'd back mine up. I'm not going to say that the picture doesn't exist, because like I said, we've not seen it. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty skeptical of any pictures of ghosts, especially like the well, there, there's another famous place like this that has a, a staircase that has like a very famous picture of like a ghostly woman. Yes. On it. And it was taken during a time when double exposure photography, like spirit photography mm-hmm. was really popular. So I'm automatically dubious of it. And like you were saying, there was a big sort of boom in the sightings and paranormal activity in the in the hotel. Mm-hmm. That kind of sounds like, you know, they started letting the rumors fly. And every guest that shows up is sort of primed to experience something. Yeah. So, of course, they all experience something. And it becomes incredibly haunted. And, I mean, Stanley Kubrick's film probably made that a lot worse. It's kind of becoming like um like a gimmick. Because it says, there are many ways to experience the superstitions of the Stanley Hotel for yourself. Throughout October, the Stanley presents the Twin Terror Weekends, including a murder mystery dinner, the Shining Ball, and the Halloween Masquerade Party. There are also nightly ghost tours that explore the dark history surrounding the hotel. If you're courageous enough, there's always the option to stay overnight in the notoriously haunted room. So I think they just... It's an attraction. Yeah. But also, we're going to that masquerade party. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's definitely an attraction. I think that they are capitalizing on uh, a lot of stories, but no actual real concrete anything. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that that masquerade ball doesn't sound dope as hell. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely would like to go to that. So what do you think of the Stanley Hotel in general? Um, I don't think it's haunted at all. I I think it's basically just a tourist attraction. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to say. I mean, it's a big old hotel you kind of it's one of these sort of classic archetypal locations that we associate with hauntings Yeah, because it's in the woods so it's kind of away from civilization and then they have these long hallways which those always freak me out in hotels mm-hmm. and i mean it has the it has a history of some accidents not necessarily anything tragic has happened there and you have the film you know mm-hmm. the shining and everyone knows that the shining is based on this hotel so, I mean, it really is. It's a, It's got a reputation that it doesn't really deserve. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a tourist attraction. I don't think there's any ghosts there at all. I don't, I mean, I, yeah. I'm personally just grateful for the hotel because The Shining is a dope movie. Yeah. And this, one of the best Simpsons episodes in the pantheon <laughs> of Sipses. And I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy it got made. That it's a place that you can go to and kind of... Mm-hmm. That's in my only interest in wanting to go is because I do like The Shining. I thought it was a really great movie. And I mean, it's classic horror, obviously. But to be able to go to the place that inspired it is more just me experiencing the film on a deeper level rather than, you know, anything paranormal. Yeah. And it's also $400 a night to stay in the haunted room. That is the real 
horror show (laughs) that is outrageously expensive oh my goodness that is outrageously expensive no thank you (laughs) never mind (laughs) so now i'm gonna take you to california what do you know about the queen mary oh yeah it's like a boat no that's rude (laughs) (laughs) thank you jerry i know that it's a really big ship it has a pretty long history it was it was like an ocean liner Mm -hmm. and then i think it got um it was like commissioned by the military like they took it and they painted it and used it for the navy uh where it was called i think it was called the gray ghost and then it was like turned back into an ocean (laughs) liner and now it's a museum isn't it yeah yeah uh i don't i think i saw a documentary about haunted boats (laughs) And the Queen Mary that's was on there. called Ghost Ship. You just saw a movie. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because all <laughs> horror movies are documentaries. That's where I get all my evidence from. That was an awful movie. Oh, my God. The cover, the poster, m- made some promises. Uh, it was writing some checks that that poorly made film could not cash. <laughs> I was very disappointed. This is going to turn into you, like, hating on Ghost Ship for, like, 45 minutes. <laughs> Don't get me started. Let me give you some history of the Queen Mary. This is from thehundreds.com. Ooh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> me either, but they have a very nice logo. It's impossible to look at the Queen Mary, the retired cruise ship that is now a permanently docked floating hotel in Long Beach, and not think of the Titanic. Both are Cunard White Star Line ships. Both are Cunard White Line ships, and they were built about 20 years apart, so they have a lot of visual similarities, especially the dramatic black and red smokestacks towering above them. But they also have something else in common. They're full of dead people. (laughs) I feel like they don't have that in common because the Titanic is in the fucking ocean. I don't think it's full (laughs) of dead people anymore. I mean, that was a hundred years ago. And there's lots of fish that go in there. And could you imagine being a ghost that has to haunt the wreckage of the Titanic all the way at the bottom of the ocean? I just imagine they're all like, um, like in Pirates of the Caribbean when they're walking on the ground floor. But if you have to haunt the ship... And it's split in half. It's been split into two pieces. Yeah. Can you walk from one part of the ship to the other? Ooh, I don't or like that visual. Like, or is it like you don't know the difference? Is it like the ship is still sailing? You know, No, they don't sail. It's a steam liner. The ship is still <laughs> shipping <laughs> across the ocean. <laughs> that would be terrible. Like that, yeah. I don't understand the whole like ghost getting tied to a location for a haunting thing. I don't yeah. know how that's supposed to work. Well, this is not the right episode for you. <laughs> <laughs> So did a lot of people, I know, like I said, it was used in the Navy, mm-hmm. but did it, did a lot of people die on it? Well, I will get to that. That's the thing about the Queen Mary. It's haunted. Very haunted. There's so many ghosts on the ship that it offers paranormal activity tours. And there are so many ghosts on the ship that a whole convention of ghost hunters came here on Strange Escapes vacation in early March, led by Amy Bruni, the owner of Strange Escapes and a famed paranormal investigator who currently stars on the travel channels Kindred Spirits with our investigating partner, Adam Barry. <laughs> uh, it's weird that when you pay for like a haunted vacation, you find ghosts. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's strange also that like the, the whole way that that was written. That's the thing about it. It's haunted. It's like, okay, did like a middle schooler write that? Like, that's <laughs> so dramatic. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about that Strange Escapes show. I've mm-hmm. heard of it, but I've never watched anything about it. Uh, I think it's funny that that's what they're using as evidence that it's haunted is that those people, a camera crew showed up. Yeah. Like, it's so haunted. They had a ghost hunter convention. It's like, I don't think those are related. Like, (laughs) correlation is not causation. (laughs) So they go on to say, 
Even when you aren't looking at them, it feels like there are ghosts around every corner of the ship. There are preserved historic spaces throughout that still look like they did in 1936 when she made her maiden voyage from England to New York. There are Art Deco installations in the Observation Bar, which now overlooks the Shoreline Aquatic Park and the Aquarium of the Pacific. There's a room full of maps from when the world looked a lot different and was smaller. A music room has a grand piano just waiting for a tuxedo player to sit at its keys. There are defunct swimming pools and a sealed-off hospital wing I'm not sad to have missed. And there's a first-class playroom, which looks like it did nearly a century ago, filled with porcelain dolls with the kind of vacant eyes that still haunt my dreams. <laughs> I agree on the, the porcelain dolls front, obviously. <laughs> Those are disgusting things. I don't know why anyone owns them. I like the whole thing about, you know, it feels like there's a ghost around every corner. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you had a convention there. There were <laughs> how many dozens of people there? Like, yeah. you're going to hear noises throughout the whole place. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but when you're looking for ghosts, you want to look in room B340, which was sealed for 30 years and only recently reopened. That's where I found myself in the middle of the night, sitting in the dark, and trying to make contact with an otherworldly entity. Ooh. Like, just by herself, just in the dark, like, hello? hello. <laughs> <laughs> or was it, like, did she have a Ouija board? Did she have, like, a touch-tone telephone? Like, <laughs> this is a, so this is obviously written by someone who went to the Queen Mary. Yeah. At the convention. Yeah. And Which I, I think is a really interesting take on it. Well, yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's an interesting perspective, because you're obviously there with like-minded people Mm -hmm. so there's going to be some kind of echo chamber effect going on in terms of opinions because everyone's there to find ghosts so everything they find is going to be ghosts yeah and you can't really get a second opinion because every opinion is going to be more or less identical i'm sure some skeptics went but i think by and large you're going to have those you know ghost hunters that really 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 want to find a ghost on the queen mary yeah uh i like also the room it was like it was sealed for 30 years it's like because it used to be a museum or because it's a decommissioned ocean liner like there's lots of reasons that it could be sealed off it's probably it's, a storage room also if it's yeah like if it's ghost do you think a locked door makes a difference like <laughs> i don't understand though they sealed it off like with magic sigils or like they had pages from the bible plastered all over the inside of it like if it was just like the door was locked for 30 years and then they opened it and the room was fine like maybe a... they just had overcapacity and they're like, oh, let's just open that one room used for storage up. <laughs> or maybe you're right. Maybe it was just that it was a cabin and they weren't using it. So they just locked it up. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, we'll make it a hotel. Let's open up some of these cabins. They go on to say, I wasn't alone, though. There were a dozen or so of us there, led by three paranormal experts. Dana Newkirk pulled out tarot cards to read the energy of the room. I could tell by the look on your face. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wait till you're done. Okay. Her husband, Greg Newkirk, attempted to hear voices through a spirit box, and John E.L. Tenney held an EVP session where he asked questions into the silence and hoped to hear answers on the digital voice recorder. There were also, as we learned throughout the session, seven ghosts in the room with us. It sounds a little bit like they're making it up as they go along. She's like, and here I was, in the dark, by myself, trying to talk to ghosts. Except I wasn't by myself. (laughs) There were three other people. One was using a spirit box. One was doing tarot readings, and one was trying to get voices on an EVP recorder in the silence. It's like, it's not silent if there's a spirit box. Those things are loud as hell. And, like, as we know, I own a tarot deck, and, like, I get that you could read people's fortunes or whatever. Yeah. What did she learn about the ghost through a tarot deck? Like, is she reading the ghost's life? Because I don't think there's much to read. I think she puts the deck down. 
And she goes, okay, shuffle until you feel comfortable. <laughs> and then she just sits there in the dark waiting for the ghost to shuffle the deck while the other one's listening to the spirit box, which is basically just a broken radio. <laughs> and the other one... Do you think that's how they like... They um they advertised it like someone had a broken radio like no 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 this catch ghosts <laughs> like some shitty pawn shop <laughs> or they just had a radio you know a broken radio that just cycled through the stations really quick and like kind of sounds like someone said something like oh I bet it was a ghost yeah let's get a patent on this <laughs> they say I mean we think you can't necessarily trust what a ghost is saying to you on a handheld recorder I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> you can't trust what a ghost is saying to you. I, I have so many questions. This about person this. <laughs> both seems interesting as a first, like you know, like a um, first hand. Yeah, the person seems interesting as like a first hand witness. Yeah, to these events, and also like the least reliable person I have ever read an article from. <laughs> like I was alone. Well, not really, if you count the three people and the seven ghosts. <laughs> also, you can't trust ghosts. <laughs> it's like, take a position here. <laughs> what I definitely did here, though, was Greg Newkirk have his exchange in an EVP session with something I couldn't see. Newkirk, I would love to know your name. You haven't given one. What's your name? Thing. Don't have one. So Wait, was this through the spirit box? Yeah. So... It told him he didn't have a name. I want to know, is it like... Because a lot of times with the people that do the spirit box, Mm -hmm. it's one of those uh, pareidolia phenomena where you're looking for patterns. Mm -hmm. So you're going to hear whatever someone tells you you're hearing from... Uh, either an audio clip or in a, or you're going to see whatever they tell you you're going to see in, mm-hmm. a, in an image. And so I think that's what's happening there. But that's very specific. What is your name? I don't have a name. <laughs> it gets weirder. Oh, man. Newkirk, if you don't have a name, why don't you give yourself one thing? Hassle. Plot twist. David Hasselhoff. He's not dead. Inside, probably. <laughs> what if he was just upstairs with like a CB radio? <laughs> just <laughs> screwing with these people. I would... Oh, next time he goes to like a haunted location, air quotes, um, we should bring CB radio and mess with people's... Okay, I'm going to take this one step further. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite kinds of horror movies are anthology horror movies, mm-hmm. like Body Bags, uh, and then like Tales from the Dark Side. Creepshow? I, Creepshow. Like, I love anthology stories like that. And one thing they all have in common is there's a host. Like Body Bags has the, the coroner at the morgue who's the host but he's actually dead and you know and uh and what i would love is a horror anthology that shows this beautifully appointed you know turn of the century office with a cb radio and david hasselhoff (laughs) leaning into the radio and he's talking to ghost like uh ghost hunters that Mm -hmm. are down below deck somewhere through his cb radio and they think they're picking him up as a spirit on the spirit box and in between him screwing with them, he introduces, like, another story. <laughs> you know what? He does a lot of shitty movies. We probably could well, raise enough money. Well, he's not gonna do it now. You just said he does shitty movies. I'm sorry, David Hasselhoff. If you're listening, I didn't mean it. Don't listen to her. <laughs> Going after the hog. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we raise enough money, I'm pretty sure we could get him to do that. So I don't know like what David Hasselhoff movies you've been seeing that you feel like you can judge the body of his work. Uh, Baywatch, absolutely, is a screamer. It was massively successful. 1978 science fiction movie Star Crash. He's in that and he's awesome in it. What about that Velociraptor movie we watched? Um, the Velocipaster? Yeah, there was no. There's another one where he like rides like a dinosaur or something. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my god. 
I missed this. Was this a this. fever dream? <laughs> I, yeah, remember there was the predatory hose in your dream? <laughs> oh no, I do owe him an apology. Yeah, I would love to see. I would love to see that anthology movie with the Hoff just <laughs> messing with ghost hunters for no reason. So anyway, so this this ghost's alleged ghost says that its name is Hassel. It gave its name the name Hassel. It named itself Hassel. Yeah. That's a weird thing to say to anybody. Do you think maybe he's ghost. trying to say this is a hassle? <laughs> <laughs> I, I could believe that. Because, I mean, even if you've met someone for the first time mm-hmm. and you're like, hey, what's your name? And they're like, I don't have a name. Like, they clearly don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And then you go, why don't you give yourself a name? Like, that's not a reasonable sentence you would ever say to somebody. I think anytime someone asks my name, I'm going to start saying hassle now. Just to see what happens. I prefer your version of the story where... The ghost is like, Hassel. I'm like, his name is Hassel. And he's like, no, bro, this is a major Hassel. Like, <laughs> you need to bounce. <laughs> like, I have ghost shit to do. Do you mind? <laughs> they said, I went into ghost hunting weekend as neither a believer nor a skeptic, but as an observer. I wanted to see what would happen. I would love to think that those answers were a fluke of the recorder or some technological parlor trick. It's hard to believe that, though, when I recorded it on my own phone, too, and heard things later that I didn't hear that night. The next day... John Tenney related a story about the brush with the paranormal. Since that day, he said, when I look at a crowd of you, I wonder which one of you isn't here. So she says, she tried to sleep in that room. As this turns out, the rumors about B340 started with Disney, which tried to create a cruise ship version of the haunted mansion with faces behind the mirrors, false floorboards, and faucets wired to go on when no one was in the room. When the experiment didn't make enough money, Disney locked the proprietary technology inside the room, and legends grew of the notoriously haunted room that was so scary it had to be sealed off. The theory Greg Newkirk has is now people go in the room looking for ghosts, and that's attracting all the paranormal activity in the ship. Maybe there wasn't a murder in that room specifically, though there are rumors that a staff member was killed there, but there were murders and a lot of other gnarly deaths aboard the Queen Mary, a reported 49 of them, including a man who lost his mind on a transatlantic voyage and killed his daughter. So the guy is pretty much saying... That, like, yeah, Disney made this up, and that's why the rumors are there. But all this activity is bringing the ghost here. Also saying that, like, there's a room that was specifically designed to appear haunted, and it was sealed up for 30 years, then it was opened up. So now we know why it was sealed up. Yeah. Because it was part of a haunted attraction. And I go, well, I mean, th- that's the, the legend grew that it was too scary. And it's like, okay, but if it was too scary, which I can, okay, fine, it was too yeah. scary, because of man-made stuff not because of actual legitimate paranormal activity and he and yeah she says it right there that people started looking and the paranormal activity started to increase and it's like that's yeah (laughs) does that not prove to you that it's false so the next day on investigation with the room with amy bruni and adam barry they did another spirit box session this time we heard from a woman who watched people die and who was troubled by the fact that she couldn't help them He was shot, Amy said, while wearing noise-canceling headphones so she couldn't hear her questions. I'm broken. I did what I could. I saw them. Which, only Amy can hear them? Questions. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is is pretty standard medium, Mm -hmm. you know, shenanigans. Later that night, I found myself 45 feet below sea level in the boiler rooms where Ghost Hunter's Grant Wilson was explaining that there's a lot of activity in that area of the ship that's aggressive towards women. He theorized that it's because the area was so dangerous when the ship was sailing. I'm not going to lie, it was terrifying down there. I'm also completely positive that I saw something moving when no living person was there. I didn't go back to find out where it was. Real quick. Um, 
they said that it's aggressive towards women because the area was so dangerous. What do they mean by that? That's all it says. <laughs> it was aggressive towards women because of... Is it like an engine room? And they're like, dames shouldn't be in here. Booga, booga, booga. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> so, I don't know the sound that ghosts make. The only thing, whenever everyone says like, oh, like, you know, like, what does a ghost say? All I think of is Jacob Marley's ghost coming <laughs> to Scrooge and scaring him. No, I've been to the Queen Mary. Mm-hmm. I went in 2006. Okay. And probably the worst part of being on that ship is all of the goddamn walking. There's nothing on there. <laughs> and then they have this, um... They have a submarine right next to it. Oh, and, that's cool. Yeah. And the scariest part of that was at the time, I weighed like 300 pounds and I almost got stuck in it. So really nothing paranormal there, just obesity. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's pretty big. I mean. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting. Like, you know, we read that account and that's obviously someone who, although she claims to be, you know, not really a skeptic, not really a believer, like she definitely believes in this stuff, but understands how it could be fake how do you believe after you hear the disney story you know yeah well i mean after any of the stuff that happened it seems like she tells the story then proves the story to be untrue or at least the details of the story to be man-made or manufactured how do you continue to believe after that yeah it's interesting to read that and then you've obviously been there and you're like yeah Yeah. it's just a boat like it's not scary (laughs) like i went for um a titanic exhibit and so it had a bunch of things from the Titanic, which you think if ghosts haunt items, that would be a double haunted boat. But it's not. Well, yeah, I think we do those things because ghosts don't haunt items. <laughs> as we covered in the last episode. <laughs> but the ring of weight loss, it's so haunted. If only you'd had it on the submarine. <laughs> <laughs> then I could have gotten through. <laughs> We almost had to get butter and butter me out. It was awful. But they were like, I don't know, get butter around here. <laughs> She'll get even bigger. <laughs> oh, no. We're going to do a, one more quick one from California. Okay. What do you know about the Winchester house? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, I know that it is a very famous tourist attraction. Yeah. Um, I know that they went there on one of the BuzzFeed Unsolved episodes. Mm-hmm. And I've Googled pictures of it in the daytime. And it looks delightful like it doesn't look scary in the slightest it's gorgeous yeah it looks yeah it's a beautiful house um i know that uh, mary winchester sarah winchester sarah winchester Mm -hmm. i don't know anything apparently (laughs) uh girl name winchester Mm -hmm. Uh, i know that she built the house because she thought the spirits of the people killed by her husband's rifle like he designed the rifle that they were haunting her for revenge or something like that pretty much um her husband and her child died in like the same time frame and she kind of went bummer yeah kind of went a little crazy and a psychic told her that she should move out west and build a house and just keep building until you know like she would build you know hallways and rooms that don't go anywhere doors to a straight drop because the psychic told her that that's awful yeah so the psychic told her, like, she followed the psychic's advice. Yeah. But there's actually no proof that she even talked to a psychic or a medium. So people, I think that she kind of went crazy from all the death. And she just kept, you know, building the house just for something to do. When she had, like, an interest in architecture. Yeah, she had an interest in architecture. So I think she was just a lonely old lady. But everyone keeps saying this house is so haunted. And I've actually been to the Winchester house. And it's gorgeous. But it's not 
haunted. Like the worst thing that happened is I had a digital camera and every battery that I put in died. Oh, so you had a digital camera. Yeah. And the batteries kept dying. Yeah. But I wouldn't think it's something spooky. Like maybe. It's not spooky. That's just your battery died. No, like I had a whole new pack and everyone that I put in kept dying. So I think maybe there's something like electrical with the house because like a lot of the rooms aren't even finished. And then there was an earthquake that destroyed a couple of the rooms. Oh, wow. So you could probably go further into the Winchester house in an episode, but this was just one I wanted to throw in. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of uh, insidious that if she really did talk to a psychic and they were like, oh, yeah, you're definitely experiencing some incredible grief from losing your husband and your child. I can't imagine what that's like. So you should do this. It's spirits. Like, that's I'm willing to believe that she actually spoke to a psychic because that is exactly the kind of predatory bullshit that psychics like to perpetrate against yeah. people. Uh, but if she didn't, yeah, I think that's totally plausible that she just, you know, went crazy and was dealing with her grief by spending that money building a crazy house. And I yeah. guess once you kind of get in so deep, you're like, well, <laughs> this is my whole life now. And something really cool, they actually found another room, I think, in like 2016. They're still finding rooms. Oh, wow. So this is that intricate. Yeah. Wow. So it's pretty awesome. But you actually having been there, you... Did not get a spooky vibe from the house. No, um, my dad said the basement was spooky, but as we have discussed, basements, basements are spooky. Are spooky. That's yeah. where ghosts live. Yeah. Yeah. Or the lack of ghosts live. It's just, you're underground. Like, that's just... <laughs> that's where we keep dead people. Exactly. So I wouldn't... For some reason. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? I don't understand graveyards. I also don't want to disrespect people's uh, spiritual beliefs, because I know that burial is a part of how some people deal with death and loss Mm -hmm. but i'm not really sure why we save all the dead people like (laughs) it doesn't make any sense to me i mean we do and graveyards are beautiful yeah normally yeah basements no thank you (laughs) all right are you ready to go across the pond yes (laughs) so next up is the leap castle which this is in ireland so i for sure know that's probably not called leap castle oh yeah no when it comes to uh irish names like you just you just do your best. I'm so sorry, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, anyone who is from Ireland and knows how wrong we're getting this. It's it. I don't know what the deal is with your language, but the letters are just, you got to just throw them all over the place. What's the worst is that like, I'm a redhead with freckles and my family's name is McCormick and McCarthy and I can't do anything Irish and I'm so sorry. <laughs> you can't do anything Irish. <laughs> Like, I can't drink whiskey. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is very rude. Oh, my goodness. We're cutting that out. That's so rude. <laughs> anyway, back to this haunted castle and less of my um my lack of culture. The name Leap Castle might conjure up romantic visions of a grand stone fortress rising over the Irish hills. In reality, Ireland's... Oh, no, it has a, <laughs> it has a pronunciation at this. Pronounced Lep. Wait, 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 wait. So we went through all of that. <laughs> And you didn't even bother to check that there, there was a pronunciation guide. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So how is it supposed to be said? Lep. Lep. Well, leap. Lep. That's pretty close. Yeah. Not too bad. But I knew I was mispronouncing it somehow. I knew it was going to come up. I am shamed. <laughs> Ireland's Lep Castle has a history more violent than entire seasons of Game of Thrones, and this bloodshed isn't fantasy. Which season? <laughs> I'm pretty it, sure all of them were bloody. I guess. I All the Irish people are, they're dipped out two minutes ago. <laughs> not listening to this stupidity. 
In the nearly 800 years since the County O'Fally Castle was constructed, families have been divided and executed, and fights over the true ownership of the castle led to battles so gruesome that the history has often been hidden. Uncovering the truth also means discovering a story of murder and intense betrayal. The castle was built by the wealthy O'Bannon family somewhere between the late 12th century and the 15th century, although likely around 1250. And Jerry is eating combos and it's so distracting. <laughs> Before it was actually built, two of the O'Bannon brothers were constantly at odds over which one was set to inherit their father's riches and control over the castle. According to legend, they proposed a competition. Each brother would jump off a huge rock located on the side of the future castle. The one who lived would get... I'm sorry. The one who lived. That's not a competition. That's just like, well, I can't figure out who, which one of you to give it to. Just a couple of you kill each other. That's Russian roulette but with rocks. <laughs> None of them have the sense to be like, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. So each brother would jump off a huge rock located on the side of the future castle. The one who lived would get to control the building of the castle and the family clan, while the winner of the deadly competition if there ever was one, is now lost to time. It was likely why the castle was originally known as O'Bannon's Leap. So, I'm a little confused about this competition. It was like, whoever lives gets to control the building of the castle, but the winner, and I'm like, wait, doesn't that guy win? Like, because he lived? Yeah, I was like, well, your brother won. Unfortunately, he died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea the rules on that. I guess they were jumping into the water, maybe? Maybe. Irish listeners, can you... If you know anything about this, please tell us. Like, write in the comments. Send us an email. I'm really interested in this story. Uh, I'm just not interested in how poorly you're pronouncing all the names. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much guilt right now. Like, this story is so interesting, but I am so dumb. <laughs> I appreciate your culture, I swear. Though the O'Bannons were powerful in their own right, they were pledged to the O'Carroll family, who took control of the castle anyway. The O'Carrolls used the castle as a site for battles and numerous massacres occurred inside the walls. So all that jumping. Wait a minute. (laughs) You get this really awesome castle and you're like, oh yeah, this is our new home, this beautiful castle. Why don't we have fights in there? (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, we're having a feud with that. Let's just have the fight over here. We'll just have a big battle in the courtyard. It'll be great. I'd be like, no, go fight at their castle. Trash their house. You know, I've never owned a castle, but I I would be into like some fights in my castle. See, I've also never owned a castle. But I definitely would not want to have a big battle at my house. Like, no one wants to have a party at their house. Oh, true. They want to go to someone else's party yeah. at someone else's house. I get that. I'm not comparing uh, medieval <laughs> battles to house parties. I've been to some house parties where they're pretty much the same. See, yeah, I, I feel like there's at least a, a similar amount of property damage involved. <laughs> so I would rather have it at someone else's castle. Fair. The chief of the O'Carroll family died without specifically naming which one of his sons was to be his successor. Once again, brothers fought bloodily over who would inherit the castle. One of the brothers, Thaddeus, was a priest. His brother Teague, convinced that he was the rightful heir, killed Thaddeus while he was in the middle of saying mass in the castle's chapel. Brutal. That's rude. That's way (laughs) rude. That's why he got a weird name. (laughs) The chapel became known as the Bloody Chapel, and it's said that you can see Thaddeus' spirit roaming the halls of the castle late at night to this day. How brutal is that? The Bloody Chapel. Right? That's a Murder Dolls album. That sounds awesome. (laughs) If there's a place that's haunted, it might be this one. Yeah, I could definitely believe that. I mean, you've got betrayal. You've got, what is it called? uh, uh, Familiacide? When when you kill family members. Mm. I mean, it's got everything. It's got like royal. Well, I don't know if they're royals, but, you know, nobles killing Mm -hmm. each other. Like, 
it's got all the ingredients there like he was he was doing his prayers in the chapel like it's got all the stuff you need for like a good haunting <laughs> yeah and it gets better oh i'm down <laughs> Hidden behind the walls of the bloody chapel, you'll find an oubliette, which was once filled with hundreds of human skeletons. Many of the skeletons were mounted on wooden spikes. Two explanations remain for this mass grave. Either the O'Carrolls launched a mass attack in the chapel, then pushed the remains into the hidden room, or they used wooden spikes as a method of surprise attack for unsuspecting visitors to the castle. I the like, O'Carrolls sound like assholes. <laughs> yeah, they do. They sound like real jerks. Uh, I, I, when you were first reading about the oubliette, which I only know what that is because of the labyrinth. labyrinth. Yeah. I, uh, I, for some reason I envisioned like a closet <laughs> and then you were telling me what was in it. And then they said like the secret, the secret area. And I was like, yeah, is it a closet? Like, was there a castle? <laughs> like you open it up and it's like all sporting equipment comes tumbling out. <laughs> but instead of sporting equipment, it's skeletons and piles and pikes and stuff. And they're just like, Oh crap. He opened up the closet full of all our dead enemies. I imagine it's like in the mask where he opens the door and all the money falls out and he's trying to yeah. stick it back in with the dog. Yeah. Like jaw bones and finger bones and stuff just come flooding yeah. out and you're like <laughs> trying to shove it back in because the cops are at the door. Elsewhere in the castle, you'll find the red lady who is seen wandering the castle in a red gown holding a knife. Allegedly, she was held hostage by the O'Carroll family. When she delivered a baby, the O'Carrolls killed it, and the Red Lady was inconsolable. She wanders the castle nightly, hoping to find the men who killed her child. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. That's super brutal. So they, the Carrolls do. They sound like a bag of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> They're terrible. Lording over the eternal residence of the Lep Castle is the Elemental. The origin of the sinister presence is shrouded in mystery. Some believe it was conjured by the druids or summoned by an invading party, while others claim it's the troubled spirit of a former castle inhabitant. Regardless of its origin, it's easy to understand why the elemental is so memorable. Those unlucky enough to encounter it describe a rotting human-like figure reeking of putrefying flesh. That's so metal. Yeah, this is pretty much just like the human embodiment of like Metalocalypse. It's just like, what's the most brutal thing you could think of? And they're like, oh, yeah, there's this one ghost that's she wears a red dress and she's got a knife and she's out for revenge. And then there's one that's like a flesh golem that's made <laughs> out of corpses. Uh, we call it the elemental. And I'm just like, that's so rad. Like, it's a shame because I don't believe any of it's true. I believe the stories are true, but I don't believe there's ghosts there. Yeah. But the stories are so awesome and so cool. There's more. Oh, my God. <laughs> A new clan took over the castle in the 17th century with another violent transition, to say the least. An O'Carroll daughter fell in love with an English prisoner, Darby, and she would sneak him food while they plotted a way to run away together and get married. When she let him out, Darby fought an O'Carroll's son in the stairwell and killed him. The O'Carroll daughter became the only heiress to the castle, meaning that the English Darby would inherit the castle too. Although the couple soon owned Lep Castle outright, Darby began to lose his grip on sanity. He began to obsessively focus on his money, going so far as to hide it throughout the castle. He then forgot where he had hidden it and was unable to stop searching for the money that he wanted so desperately. His ghost is said to be seen around the castle, still looking for his riches. That's pretty spooky. <laughs> I like that. Like, the, this like Scrooge fam- McDuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, this Carol family is just so cursed. Like, everything that they touch seems to, you know, turn to shit. Yeah. This guy, like, you think it's a pretty good deal. He's a prisoner. He falls in love with a daughter. He fights the sun, and then he eventually becomes the heir to this castle that they've taken. They stole, basically. And even after he does, he gets to marry the daughter and inherit the castle. He loses his mind. Yeah. Everything about this family is just, like, bad news. Darby's children and their children remained at Lep Castle for the next century or so, 
In the late 1800s, a woman named Mildred Dill married Jonathan Darby, the current owner of the castle. Mildred had long been interested in the paranormal, and when she moved into Lepp Castle, she discovered fresh inspiration within its walls. Mildred wrote about the ghost she encountered, the seances she held, and the disturbing stories of Lepp's past throughout her life. Mildred loved her home deeply. Unfortunately, in 1922, unfortunately, in 1922, she and her husband were forced out of the castle due to ongoing Irish rebellion. Since the Darbys were English, they feared for their life. Lepp Castle was abandoned in 1922 when the Darby family moved out. The Irish were fighting for independence from the English, and, since the Darbys were an English family, they were in danger of being killed. Much of the castle was burned after their escape. In 1974, after years of neglect, a restoration project was launched to rehabilitate the castle. Although the Lepp Castle is now privately owned, paranormal investigators can still visit. The current owner, Sean Ryan, offers tours and is immensely knowledgeable about the strange, bloody, and ghostly history of the Lepp Castle. So, like, on a scale of, like, one to the most brutal thing you've ever read. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty great uh, story. The, the castle sounds like it has a really awesome history. Like, I would love to read more about that castle. Because that history is just bananas. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's all over the place. I'm interested in that they've turned it into sort of a, a tourist attraction for ghost. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's also great because even if you just go there for ghost, you're at the very least going to learn something about a really interesting piece of Irish history. Yeah. Um, like I and maybe they'll teach me how to pronounce it. <laughs> I was really surprised that there was, uh, I guess I don't know enough about Irish history, but knowing that as, as recently, I mean, I know it's 100 years ago, but as recently as 1922. They're still fighting for their independence. Like, I had no idea. Yeah. So I'm very interested in learning more about this castle now. So you know how, like... So you know if places were haunted, that place is, like, almost definitely haunted. Oh, yeah. Like, if you were to make a guess about whether or not a place was actually haunted based on its history... I would give it, like, an 80%. Yeah, 80%. I'd do, like, 95% for me. So what do you think about the Lep Castle... I mean, obviously, that sounds like a place that would definitely be haunted. Yeah. Do you think it actually is haunted or is it, you know, it's got this history? I've never been there. So I can't like, you know, say like, oh, I smell some, felt some spooky things. But if a place were to be haunted, this place is almost definitely haunted. Yeah, for sure. Based on the history. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I can't imagine another place that has that level of like tragedy to it because you had like murder betrayal insanity like everything all wrapped up into one location well wait to hear about our next location Ooh, exciting next we're gonna fly over to italy to poveglia island what do you know about this island literally nothing Ooh, do i have a treat for you hey are you ready to get the most spook you've ever spooked i think i prepared for a more than moderate amount of spook okay because we, we're going to get spooky. <laughs> the Italian island of Poveglia has a history chock full of tragic events going back thousands of years. During the Roman Empire, the island was used to house victims of the plague in order to protect the rest of the country, forcing afflicted people to live and die in isolation. Then, during the medieval era, when the plague returned and killed off nearly two-thirds of Europe's population, Poveglia was again called upon to take in the sick and dying. Dead bodies quickly began to overcrowd the island, and thousands were dumped into large common graves. In many cases, the bodies were burned. Some overly cautious Italian communities even got into the habit of shipping away anyone who showed the slightest signs of illness. Oh, shit. Many of those people had not actually been infected with the plague at all, 
and were literally dragged to Poveglia and dumped on top of piles of rotting corpses. Jeez. The terrifying negative energy has been left in the wake of these death's remains, even in the island's very soil. I mean, I'm kind of nervous about coughing in public now. Yeah. And there's no threat of being shipped off to an island of corpses. <laughs> I cannot imagine that if your family's just like, nope, you're getting right out. Get that cough out of here. Yep. Send them to the dead people island. Povegla Island still happens to be home to thriving grape vineyards. Nearly the only people who dare to visit the island these days are those who go seasonally harvest the fruit. Grapevines must do well in ashy soil because it has been said that more than 50% of the island's soil is composed of human ash. Well, that's true. There's like potash that you use in gardening. So there's a little bit of, there's something true about that. Uh, I don't know that I would, again, coming from the perspective of someone who's, you know, I'm fairly skeptical. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would want to harvest any grapes that came from an island with that history. Yeah. Those I, those grapes are definitely growing out of the remains of a bunch of dead people. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> want no cursed wine or cursed jelly at my house. Like, no thank you. When a mental hospital was opened on Poviglia Island in 1922, few people were very surprised. However, the arrival of droves of mentally disturbed patients to the island only served to enrich the legend of it being a place to avoid. <laughs> yeah, so, no shit, man. Like, Yeah, get this. <clears throat> Hundreds of years of people being burned, and then they build a mental hospital on it. And it wasn't just people being burned. Some of them were like, ah, eh, he's a bit sick. Toss him in the pile of sick people. Yeah. Holy crap. It's a horrible death. And then they're like, well, we could just... Next logical step is build an insane asylum <laughs> on top of it. Yeah. The isolation and privacy offered by the island also allowed for the disreputable scientists and doctors to do as they pleased to their patients. Reports of widespread abuse and heinous experiments began to float back to the mainland, bringing with them the screams of tortured souls trapped there. That's bananas. Oh my goodness. So it's not just like, yeah, we built an insane asylum on top of the corpse island where mm -hmm. the grapes grow out of the ashes of the dead. It's like Also, it's like the worst possible asylum you could go to. It gets worse. Oh, goodness. Poveglia legend tells of a particularly demented doctor who worked at the island's mental hospital in the early 20th century. Ugh. His notorious experiments on patients are still shocking when told today. For instance, he believed that lobotomies were a great way to treat and cure mental illness, so he performed lobotomies on numerous patients, usually against their will. Does anyone go in for, like, like a lobotomy they're cool with? Yeah, well, no, actually they did. Um, not every lobotomy was this, like, you became brain dead kind of thing. Uh, there's lots of people, and this is something that I, I don't know why, but the public is, seems to be completely unaware of, is that a lot of people would willingly get lobotomies, and it would fix them, and, and they would be fine. Uh, some of them reverted back and still had some issues, but mm -hmm. no, there, there definitely were people. This wasn't like a lobotomy. It wasn't like a barbaric, torturous. I mean, it we did eventually figure out it totally was, but. The only thing I know about lobotomies is from a Treehouse of Horror episode. <laughs> so, Warm glass of milk and a total frontal lobotomy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is lobotomies were a medical treatment. I mean, there's things that we do now that probably in a hundred years are going to seem completely barbaric and mm -hmm. crazy. But no, there were people that willingly got lobotomies. I think what they're more referring to are the lobotomies that leave people like in a, you know, vegetative state or yeah. leave them kind of like subdued. Yeah, I think I would probably not want to elect to have that procedure done <laughs> to me. Yeah, the procedures were heinously wicked and painful, too. He used hammers, chisels, and drills with no anesthesia and no concern for sanitation. 
He supposedly saved his darkest experiments for special patients whom he took to the hospital's bell tower. Whatever he did in there, the screams from those being tortured could be heard across the island. Jesus. I don't think this guy was legitimately a doctor. <laughs> That's what me, yeah. I think they just got, like, a psychopath who was like, yeah, I can totally doctor an insane asylum. He probably killed the original doctor, and he was actually a patient. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> scary. Like, you said that, and I got chills. And I have to make it into a comic. Oh my goodness. They probably made a movie about this. <laughs> Karma eventually caught up with a wicked doctor. According to the story, the doctor began to suffer his own mental torture, and was pursued by the island's multitude of ghosts. Eventually, he lost his mind and climbed to the top of the bell tower and flung himself to the death below. There are varying accounts of his death, though. Some say he may have actually been pushed, either by Angry Island Spirit or by some of his furious patients. So it's like, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of patients looking for him. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. Uh, I did look up, and it turns out they did make a movie about did this. They? Called The Plague Doctor. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, we gotta so watch that. We'll definitely have to check that out. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's bananas. That's so crazy. Like, it's whatever, it's like a, it is, it's like a horror movie. It's like, what's the worst thing a doctor in an island like this could do? Yeah. And they're like, oh, forced lobotomies, torturing people, experimentation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like American Horror Story. It's crazy. Yeah. And supposedly a nurse witnessed his fall, claiming that he initially survived, but that a ghostly mist came over his body and choked him to death. Somehow, the mental hospital remained open until 1968. Somehow. Many believe that hundreds of thousands of tormented souls still remain trapped on Poveglia Island, from the massive influx of plague victims who were forced onto the island to those who were tortured at the mental hospital that was once stationed there. A sense of sorrow and suffering continues to permeate from the island to this day. That is in the worst. F- oh. In fact, it has been said that you can still hear their screams. That's the worst. That is the absolute worst. And then, visitors of Proveglia have been forbidden for decades. Of course, that doesn't stop the occasional thrill-seeker from taking a boat over to the island. Some look at it as a dare. Others are genuinely interested in experiencing a bit of the paranormal. However, all who venture there return shaken. One thing visitors report experiencing is a sensation of being watched. Others report being scratched and pushed by invisible forces. Some entities have been said to push visitors into walls or chase them down corridors. With a history that of Povecula Islands, it stands to reason that the spirits of the tortured patients at the mental hospital would join up with the innumerable spirits of the plague victims. So, they're teaming up. They're teaming up to take on anybody that tries to disturb their rest. I don't know how ghosts work because I'm not, like, an expert, surprisingly. Um, but Well, I think we don't know how ghosts work because we don't know anything really about ghosts. Yeah, like... It's all made up. Can they Can they interact like that? Like, can they go back in time? Because, like, the way I see ghosts is that they're, like, an imprint on time. That's yeah. the way I best describe them. Like, more like a recording. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, they're teaming up. It's it's the Jersey Devil and the Pirate Ghost again. It's that same kind of, yeah. That's a little bit strange. Like, if you were a plague victim and then you die there and your spirit's haunting there. And then, you know, then you have these mental patients that they die and they show up. Is it like, oh, hey, what's up? Oh, what happened? Like, oh, you're dead. Sorry. Uh, it's cool, though. There's like a ton of us here, so you're not going to be lonely. <laughs> That's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, except for the life of torture and torment and absolute, like, pinnacle of human suffering that they had to endure to get there. Yeah, the where they won't be alone, that part's awesome. <laughs> Always look on the bright <laughs> Visitors of the hospital during its final years of operation, as well as illegal visitors since then, 
have reported harrowing paranormal experiences inside the buildings and on the grounds. Visitors report seeing shadows on the walls moving along with them as they explore the decaying facility. And the handful of psychics who have been brought to the island claim that there is an energy that only could be described as malignant, with the presence of angry spirits lingering there so deeply frightening psychics and paranormal experts that most of them refuse to ever return. Uh, I'm going to call shenanigans on one of the paranormal phenomena that's been recorded here, where they see shadows on the wall following them. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I see where I, this is going. <laughs> but I know what a shadow is. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, Peter Pan even figured out that the shadow follows you around. <laughs> like One time in eighth grade, I was walking to my friend's house. Um, we were going to walk to school together and it was the morning and there's something following me. So I started booking it down the street and I was running for ages and then I realized it was my own shadow. So, I mean, it's really easy to... <laughs> yes, I think it is easy for a foolish person to be frightened by their own shadow. I would Could hate to imagine... say that that never happened in my adult life, but it's so hell. Could you imagine someone kind of like, you saw a ghost, like, oh my god, what did you see? Like, there was a shadow following us, and I'd be like, dude, that was your shadow. Like, <laughs> unless it was like a shadow that like was definitely not you, but I mean, light distorts shadows. Yeah. That one, I just, you read it and I was <laughs> like, come on now. With more than 100,000 plague victims and mental patients buried on the small island of Poviglia, it is no surprise that human bones continue to wash up on its shores. The fact alone is enough to creep out any potential visitors or buyers. Even fishermen steer clear of Poviglia's shadows for fear of picking up human bones in their nets. Gross. Yeah. That's really crazy. Like, that is such an insanely high amount of death and suffering, like, I'm amazed I've never heard of this place before. It's crazy. Actually, the first time I heard about it was, um, I was looking at like haunted locations because I'm creepy and there was like a no sleep about it. And I was like hooked on no sleep after that because there was a, a spooky story about this. When the mental hospital on Poviglia was finally closed in 1968, the island was sold to a private owner. However, he did not have it for very long before selling it to another owner. In both instances, the new owners could not bear to spend time there. The atmosphere was heavy and morbid. Strange sounds combined with all of the hauntings have been reported continued to prevail. As a result, the island was left completely abandoned. It has come up for sale again, but the deals continue to fall through. Maybe prospective owners have heard too many frightening tales in advance. Can we buy it? <laughs> yeah, I would love to buy something like that. I think every time these buyers go there and it falls through with whatever reason, I think it's just they're being primed, you know. Except for there is a story of one buyer. Oh, yeah. Well, let's hear that. Years after Poviglia's Island Mental Hospital shut down, a family decided to purchase the island, intending to build a private holiday home there. They arrived and got settled on the first day, excited to begin their new adventure. But that <laughs> come on, like, <laughs> oh yeah, that island you you heard it's up for sale. I'm like, oh wow, what what's there? And they're like, oh, there's an old mental asylum that used <laughs> to be there, but they had to shut it down because there was a psychotic doctor that was experimenting on people and torturing patients. Uh, oh, what was it before that? Oh, it's where we dropped off all of the uh, plague victims against their <laughs> will uh, and then just burned them. No proper bells or anything. But there's a lovely vineyard growing out of <laughs> the pounds and pounds of human ash. Like, how much is it? Like, let's talk. You know what I'm saying? But, like, what? so uh, obviously they built a summer home there and they were all serial killer cannibals, weren't they? Like... <laughs> well, they arrived and got settled in on their first day, excited to begin their new adventure. But that very first night was filled with such horrors that within hours the family fled, never to return. Are you ready? I'm... I'm so ready. They reported that their daughter's face was nearly ripped off by an angry resident entity. 
Okay, so there's a lot there's a lot of loaded language right there. That their face was nearly off by an entity, like a local entity to the island. Mm-hmm. Right? That could be a wolf. That could be an eagle. <laughs> Those are entities. We just know what they're called. That's true. I like the idea that they get there, this horrible island. And the first order of business is like an eagle comes out and just attacks them. Like every aspect of this island is unfriendly. Like those compies from the beginning of Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's crazy. So they yeah. didn't buy it, obviously. No. Now, when they say he tried to rip her face off, like what are they talking like, about? There was she no other information given. That sounds like a thing that didn't happen. But like if ghosts are real, that totally happened. Like I could believe that ghosts ripped her face off. (laughs) On this island, ghosts for sure exist. Yeah, I mean, again, going back to that idea of like if if the place is gonna be haunted, what is that place like? It's this insane island. Yeah. This is definitely one of those places that I would be like, Yeah, that's totally haunted. Yeah. Again, I don't I don't believe in ghosts, but I would I think I would go there and get that we should not be here vibe. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're going to feel like you're being watched, like you're stepping on ashes of humans. I can't even fathom that level of human suffering. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's been worse in the world, but that doesn't negate any of this. Just this one location to have mm-hmm. been, time and time again, people just kept going back mm-hmm. to it. It just blows my mind. Like, yeah. Especially like it was used as a plague island. They're like, well, it's kind of out of the way. And it's like, it's out of the way because they were burning bodies there. Like, yeah. They were sending people to their deaths there because they were sick. Like... Yeah, that's why it's out of the way. That's not a great place to put a, a center for healing. I mean, it's already spooky enough. You might as well just continue the spooky. You know what I mean? Like, I don't it's know already if, tainted. I don't know if people purchase places with the intent to invest in the potential paranormal activity. They're not like, well, I am going to start a murder hospital. I might as well do it in the scariest place possible. <laughs> because at least people then expect there to be a murder hospital there. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's how it works. So have you enjoyed our trip down the River Styx? Yes, very spooky. Um, And definitely a big lesson in how a location's history can affect people's perception of it. And that can sort of affect their experiences when they're there. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we talked about being primed, where you go in expecting to see something paranormal because of the history of the place. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, they've sort of told people they can't go to the island because it's, you know, it's off limits. You, I think, will assume, oh, it's because it's so haunted. It, mm-hmm. it's, no, it's because there's an old abandoned building there, and it's probably really dangerous. Yeah. And you shouldn't go there. And it's maybe it's private property or something. Same thing with the Queen Mary, with the room that's been shut off for 30 years. Really, it was like a failed attraction. They're like, it was sealed off for 30 years because it was too scary. And it's like, uh, I think you're, you're going into it with ideas. It's informing your perception. Yeah. I think the last two are certainly haunted. <laughs> I could believe that. If there's going to be a place that's haunted, it's definitely like the island of absolute death and suffering. Yeah, and the castle of absolute death and suffering. Yeah, like you couldn't write those. Like those are so... I really feel like both of those places are the, the kind of locations that live on in human imagination mm-hmm. and become mythic. Yeah. Like the haunted castle. Why is it haunted? Because there was all this tragedy there. Then you have like this haunted island like why is it and it had all the oh plague doctors and and uh plague victims and and a mental hospital with a crazy doctor like (laughs) everything is there yeah yeah i mean even if they're not haunted the stories are phenomenal Mm -hmm. they're absolutely crazy that's all i got for you today yeah yeah no that was crazy spooky i liked all of those 
So we have a couple things to cover uh, at the end of the episode here, kind of wrap things up. One is we got a new review on iTunes, and this one is titled A Little Bit of Both Worlds, and this is from Fleabee. says, these two are hilarious. Nice mix of facts, comedy, and insight into the paranormal. I love that. I love that too. Thank you very much, Fleabee. I like um, all two of our reviews. They're my favorite thing. <laughs> and I can tell that they're gorgeous. Yeah, we can tell that they're they're very lovely people, obviously. That's very nice of people, not only to like take the time to listen all the way through one of mm-hmm. these, but to then go to iTunes and write a review. Like, yeah. I won't write reviews on Amazon. Like, I'm too <laughs> lazy for it. Yeah. So that's super appreciated. Um, and we thank you for that immensely. One quick recommendation. I know last week I made two recommendations i'm only making one this week it's been a long week (laughs) (laughs) so there's a great podcast called the poisoner's cabinet which if you don't already listen to it i don't know how you could possibly have found our podcast (laughs) uh poisoner's cabinet is awesome they do old time murder cases i've talked about them in the past um but they also just started a youtube channel which you should definitely definitely check out um i watched their first video where they make uh, a very interesting and disgusting sounding cocktail. <laughs> I won't give anything away, but you should definitely go check out Poisoner's Cabinet on YouTube. Uh, give them some support because I would love to see more of videos from them. If you like this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at Harley Paranormal with a Y, on Instagram at Harley Paranormal. You can like and join our face group, Harley Paranormal, and subscribe, like, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or want to send us suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at harleyparanormal at gmail.com. I've been your boat woman for the evening, and remember, it was probably just the wind. Bye!